Hello and welcome to All Things Apostolic. My name is Casey Cease. On today's episode, we are going to be live with Dr. Johnny King at Caiaphas, the high priest's house. Here he will discuss some of the main events that have taken place at Caiaphas's house, as well as read excerpts from his book, Bible Land Journeys. So this is the house of Caiaphas, the high priest. This is where Jesus was brought after he was betrayed in the garden. And this is where Peter denied Jesus. And then something else very interesting happened here that we don't normally put together. So first I'm reading Simon Peter denies Jesus. He warned you just hours ago. He called your name twice. He said your name twice just like he always did when he was making an important point. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. You instantly had a picture of Satan tossing you up into the air and you falling to the ground. The whole process is repeated over and over until you have been separated from your faith like the shell of a husk is torn from the grain. The shell of you blows away. And the faith you have used, you used to have, lies alone, unattached, unmoving on the ground. You argued, no, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. I'll never leave you. He shook his head sadly and fixed his eyes, oh, those eyes, on you. I tell you, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before you will thrice deny that you even know me. Then the hours in the garden, the arrest, everyone was scattered, leaving Jesus alone in the hands of his enemies. You followed them in the darkness to see where they would take him. They took him to the high priest's house, and you followed, blending in with the crowd in the courtyard to see what would happen. It's late, and the night air at 2,500 feet is chilled. You push in around the fire to warm yourself. Everyone in the courtyard could see the trial taking place. They watched with interest, but none with more interest than you, more than interest. Yours was no idle curiosity. Your heart pounded in your chest. You willed Jesus to proclaim himself, to say, yes, I am the son of David and the king of the Jews. You hoped that this man that you had seen open the blind eyes would blind those who accused him, that this man who had raised the dead would strike all of them dead at once. You knew he could do it, and you hoped he would. Instead, he remained silent. Your thoughts skewed between fear and faith. You looked around for a loaf of bread, wondering if you could rush through the guards and thrust it at him so he could show them all what he could do. You wanted to scream, prove yourself. Your thoughts were interrupted by a woman who walked by, stopped and turned towards you. She stooped down to see your face and proclaimed, this man was also with Jesus. The icy hand of fear touched your spine and you lied. You didn't even think about it. You just lied. I'm not with him. That's when something died within you. You just denied your friend. You blinked hard, smoke in your eyes. 
you asked yourself, what have I done? You continued to watch the trial feeling numb. After a little while, a man said, you are one of them. Again, the words just rushed out on their own accord. Man, I am not. You emphasized it with an oath. Gall rose in your throat and you thought you would be sick. You swallowed your self-loathing and it went down like poison. You shivered from the cold or from something that went much deeper than the cold. You were miserable. You watched him standing there so alone, so brave. You imagined yourself rushing to his side, wrenching a weapon from one of the guards and leading Jesus to safety, fighting your way through the hostile crowd. Your daydreams were interrupted by another man who stoutly affirmed, it's true, this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean. You stood to challenge him. I don't know what you're talking about. You began to curse and swear, I don't know the man. That's when the cock crowed. There was a moment of silence in response to your vehement cursing. In that silence, you glance up at Jesus. He was looking at you, and you remembered what he had said earlier. Before the cock crow, you will deny me three times. You stumbled blindly away from the fire, pushing uncaringly through the crowd, out of the courtyard, down the steps. You careened until you were alone, beyond the reach of a helping hand, swallowed by the darkness. Bitterly, you wept. You wept until you had no more tears and the sobs still issued forth from your broken heart. You wept as you remembered his eyes. You knew those eyes so well. What did they say? Not, I told you so. They weren't condemning. That was not hatred or condemnation or judgment you saw. It was pain, but not for himself. He was hurting for you. He felt your pain. His eyes said, I know what you've done, but I love you anyway. In those eyes were the only sign of hope in this God-forsaken, hopeless night. These are the actual stairs. Those are the actual stairs that they brought Jesus up to be judged here at Caiaphas' house. Jesus walked on those steps. And then Simon Peter had another chance. You were back, but this time you were with John, both of you with your hands bound as the officers hustled you along the streets that led from the temple and up the steps to the high priest's house. It had been an eventful day. You and John had gone to the temple at three o'clock in the afternoon to pray. As you walked up the southern steps and were about to enter through the beautiful gate, a lame beggar asked you and John for money. You had seen him here before. He was here every day, and you had given him money before. That's why he was focused on you. But today you didn't have any money on you. Your heart went out to the lame man, and compassion rose within you. Time slowed as you recalled Jesus healing the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, just the other side of the temple. With a shock, you heard the master's voice in your consciousness. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, 
because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. You heard yourself say, look on us. And the man held out his hand expectantly. Then with total confidence in the words of Jesus, you said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Then you took the extended hand and lifted him up. The full weight of the man that you felt at the first seemed to immediately disappear as he leaped up and stood on his own. There was a moment of silence as the crowd took in what had happened. Then they began to shout to one another and beckon to those who had not been close enough to see. The beggar was going through the gate and climbing up the steps to the temple for, for the first time in his life. He was walking entirely unaided, leaping and praising God. You headed toward Solomon's porch and the crowd moved with you. Shortly, several thousand men were straining to see and hear what was going on. You felt the presence of Jesus and began to preach. As you were preaching, the captain of the temple, accompanied by the priest and the Sadducees, pushed through the crowd and forcibly detained you. They led you away toward the palace of the high priest. But they were just a bit too late. 5,000 men had already believed. It was a 10-minute walk, and your mind flitted from thought to thought like a hummingbird going from one honeysuckle blossom to the next, never settling down in one place. You laughed out loud when you remembered the lame man leaping and rejoicing. The guard looked at you in surprise and then gave you a hard shove just for good measure. But that could not dampen your joy. You looked at John and in the dimming light could see a smile on his face also. You felt the afterglow of the anointing, knowing that God had used you and that your preaching had been inspired and accepted. But as you drew near to the high priest's house, other thoughts came unwelcome into your mind. This was the scene of your greatest shame. You saw the silhouette of the palace, the lighted windows staring out accusingly. You began to climb the stone steps and looked over where you had warmed your hands by the fire on the night of Jesus' betrayal. Tears stung your eyes as you remembered your denial, your oaths, your cursing, and the look Jesus gave you when the rooster crowed. Even though you knew that you were forgiven, your head hung down as you were pushed roughly into the palace toward the holding cells. The smile that had lit your face a few moments ago and the joy that had filled your heart had been replaced with the deep sorrow that the memories had brought. The guards tied a rope around your body under your arms and let you down through a hole into a dungeon carved out of the rock. They lowered John the same way. After shouting abuses and threats, your escort departed. They were going to supper and you were going to wait in the dark without food or drink until the council would gather tomorrow to judge you. John, ever sensitive, reached through the dark and grabbed your arm. Are you all right, Simon? I think we will be okay. You sighed. Yes, John, I'm okay. And I'm not worried about tomorrow. It's just that this place brings back memories. I'm remembering my failure. And then you laughed. Do you remember what I had told him that night before everything happened and the Lord warned me that I would deny him? 
I said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and to death. And here I am. Here we are, John. Do you realize Jesus probably spent that night in this same cell? John whispered, Peter, he's here right now. He's here with us. I can feel him. You could feel the chill bumps tickle your spine. Yes, you could feel him too. You relaxed. Both of you sat on the cold floor with your backs against the wall. It was dark, cold, and uncomfortable, but you felt strangely warmed and comforted. You and John talked about what had happened that dark night when Jesus spent his last night in this very cell. After you had gone over every painful detail, you switched gears and began to, to discuss what happened just a few hours ago with the lame man as you were going into the temple. A warm glow filled your hearts, and as you talked, somehow, you both fell into a restful sleep. You awakened to the angry shouts of the guards. It seemed as if you must have had a better night's sleep than they did. You and John were pulled up to the hole and taken to where the council was assembled. You recognized many of these faces. This was the same group of men who had found Jesus guilty of blasphemy in this same place, judging him worthy of death. You and John were placed in the midst of them in an obvious attempt to intimidate you. The man who had been healed had been brought and was standing with you. John smiled at him, and you could feel him relax. You glanced down at the floor. This was the exact place where Jesus had been standing. You lifted your head and looked out into the courtyard, and there was the exact place you sat warming your hands by the fire. The examination began. By what power or by what name have you done this? You looked again to the spot in the courtyard where you had denied your Lord. You felt a surge of emotion and glanced at your hands, steady as a rock. You lifted your eyes and faced these men who had intimidated you on that dark, lonely night that seemed so far away, and you could feel the comfort and boldness of the Holy Ghost. You responded, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. This is where it happened. This is where it happened. Thank you for joining us on this episode of All Things Apostolic. Be sure to join us tomorrow as Dr. Nathaniel Wilson and Dr. Johnny King are at En Gedi.